3: Hello and welcome to The Tonight Show. New RTE Director General, Kevin Backhurst, makes his first appearance in front of the Public Accounts Committee to address the RTE hidden payments scandal. In a hearing that was at times fractious, RTE executives refuted claims put forward by Ryan Tuberty and his agent, Noel Kelly, during Tuesday's committee.
0: terms of the two payments, which were at great expense, extravagant expense to the public purse, Who did Mr. Kelly think he was sending the invoices to?
3: And as it all readies itself for its summer recess, our panel reflects on the good, the bad, and the downright ugly political performances of the past term. And lights, camera, strike. Hollywood takes to the picket line as negotiations between the studios and actors break down. You can join our conversation online with your comments and your questions on the hashtag TonightVMTV. Three weeks after the news of the RTE secret payment scandal first broke, senior executives from the national broadcaster found themselves back in front of the Public Accounts Committee today. Over the course of the hearing, Director General Kevin Backhurst revealed that Ryan Tuberty is not being paid at the moment, as discussions continue with the agent and his star regarding his pay. Well, here to talk tense exchanges, text messages and Tuberty is TD and member of the Public Accounts Committee, Colin Burke. Journalist and former RTE employee, Valerie Cox. Reporter with the Sunday Independent, Mark Tai. Executive Editor of the Daily Mail, John Lee. And on Skype is former Managing Director of Port Namona and an expert in corporate governance, Gabriel Darcy. You're all very welcome along to the programme tonight. Um, Orti really on the defence today and doubling down, firing back uh, Mark, Ty, at these seven untruths as um, outlined by Ryan Tuberty and Noel Kelly on Tuesday. Really, did what we hear today confirm that there is just utter conflict um, between both parties' versions of events?
1: Yeah, utter conflict, but also an inability in RT still to get its story straight. Um, I think having watched uh, Noel Kelly and Ryan Tuberty on Tuesday, that really did stretch credibility, that whether Noel uh, Noel Kelly didn't realise that uh, it was RT footing the bill for these two uh, 75,000 euro payments. So we saw Adrian Lynch from RT very strong in that today, providing new information, new emails coming out, uh, showing basically that Noel Kelly was in direct contact with D Forbes in in around uh, May 2022, just before the, or April 2022, when the in, just before the invoices, these famous now invoices that were uh, listed as consultancy services were sent in to RTE by uh, CMS, Noel Kelly's, one of Noel Kelly's companies. What I think um, my reaction to today was just maybe a bit of frustration with RTE, not being able to get the full picture out there. We heard Paula Maluli. The uh, managing, uh, the legal manager in RTE, saying she's taking legal advice. And I just thought that was just incredible. They're getting legal advice on whether they can release the memos of this uh, infamous uh, meeting now—the the, the Zoom call or the Microsoft Teams call with D Forbes mm-hmm. back in 2020. Um, so RTE are still b- begging for time, and this is prolonging the story and making it still be on our front pages. You know, two three weeks after it first broke.
2: Yeah
3: um at the heart a lot of a lot of questions again about the underwriting of this deal John uh, on Tuesday we had Noel Kelly producing this bombshell an email um from the former chief financial officer Brido O'Keefe, that made references um to RTE underwriting the Renault deal despite her previous assertion that there was there was pushback internally on all of this but Adrian Lynch was out fighting today um denying misleading the committee and insisting that you know, the, the email did not contain any legal commitment to underwrite any deal. Again, saying you know, no one else knew about this, but this was a conversation that that, that happened um, between uh, and it was agreed uh, verbally by D Forbes in May of two thousand
2: and twenty. It, the essential summation of what Noel Kelly um, really, on behalf of uh, Ryan Tuberty, was saying the other day was that, um, as far as they were concerned, this money was coming from. Wherever it was, it was an RTE thing. They kept saying that the, the, they weren't of a belief that this this had to be found somewhere that RTE were underwriting it. That somehow this was just happening beyond their beyond their scope. Uh, what RTE did today was rebut an awful lot of the claims mm-hmm. by Noel Kelly. They widened the gulf between the two parties. There are now the, those two parties and other parties elsewhere, where essentially they were saying that they were fully aware. That RTE were now in a position where they had to pay it because Renault were withdrawing, and they produced more. Um, they reduced, produced more evidence of that. There was other rebuttals of claims made by Noel Kelly, not, um, Ryan Tuberty's representative. It might seem small, but for instance, during the exchanges, it wasn't particularly noted across um, today in Leinster House that Noel Kelly had been asked how many people in RTE represented, and he said, "Oh, about three. And he was pushed on that and he was asked, you know, um, well, it would be more than a dozen. Oh, no, no, it's not more than a dozen. But then as something Mark Ty here put on social media today, there was a list, a substantial list of, of representatives he has in RTE. Mm-hmm. So directly from the outset, they were rebutting that. There was also a claim made by Noel Kelly that um, he had never, never in any, any stage had any private or one-on-one meetings with, um, with Dee Forbes. And there was more evidence presented today than essentially that there had been a Teams meeting. Now, there was, there, he can probably come back and say, listen, that wasn't a one-on-one meeting and, and that's just an email. But what you have here is a lot of people in Leicester House are looking for the bottom of this scandal, which is an end to it. Um, but they keep RTE and, and, and Ryan Tuberty's side and others keep creating further conflict. Mm-hmm. So the wider the conflict becomes, the more drama you have and the continue and you continue on here indefinitely probably, yeah. but substantially it must be just it must be just noted. We still don't have answers yeah, to the initial um, claim, which okay. is why this man understated sure. his, his his the payments he received. Yeah. To the Arroctus, why RT did it on his yeah. behalf?
3: Um, Colin Burke, I want to ask you because you're, you've been present at this committee. You've been asking the questions of of all parties within this. Well, not everyone. We are still we are still waiting for to hear from D Forbes. We are still waiting to hear from um, some others who, who have yet to appear before your committee. But I mean, at, at the end of, of 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 these weeks, who do you believe?
4: Well, I think first of all, uh, what I'm finding very concerning is the way contracts were. Um, signed off on. It appears that on the one hand we have a memorandum of an agreement and then we have a whole lot of side letters. In fact as I said today um, there are more side letters than there are pages in the in the contracts and as far as I'm concerned that's not the way to do business. So it's very hard to understand what the final document was and this should not have occurred and in fairness to the new uh, uh, Director General he's given a commitment that everything is now set out in the one document. Um, from now on, everything... And one of the questions I've asked him, well, do we now need to go and review existing contracts to see are there also side letters in relation to all of these contracts? So this is not the way to run business. It's like, as I said to the um, the, the legal advisor there, it's like I you instructed me to buy a house for you to act in the purchase of a house as a solicitor, and next I ring you up and I say you should submit Send seventy five thousand to the builder, and the builder still hasn't signed the contract. Here, we did not have a clear document signed, um, setting out all the terms and conditions, and yet there was seventy five thousand paid out. And the interesting thing loose ends loose ends. And the other thing was that it was the legal department in RTE that sent the draft invoice to Noel Kelly, for to send on to Renault. Okay. And then the other thing was that the 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 that that email was also cc'd to Richard Collins, the person in the finance department.
3: So still plenty of um, confusion, and actually to use a a phrase of Ryan Tupperly's, a fog of confusion, um, perhaps in this case. Valerie Cox... um, You know, for for those looking in, looking at these Oireachtas hearings and what we've we've heard um, to date, do you think the public are any the wiser Uh, and where do you think their sympathies lie tonight? Well,
5: it's very hard to know. I mean, I always regarded Ryan Tubberty fondly as the Peter Pan of Irish television. You know, he was equally at home with children, with the toy show, with adults. And when people are in that situation, everybody feels a bond with him, Mm -hmm. the viewers, the listeners. And to have something like this happen, it's quite shocking. I mean, there are more twists in his contract than in the Belfast Agreement. And I think the more we listen to it, the more confusing it gets. And you know, they say the devil can cite scripture for his own purpose. And the language that's being used, it's setting out just to confuse us. It really is. Because, you know, you can twist anything. You can make the truth out of anything. And we've people on one side saying, no, no, this happened, nobody was there. Uh, This person signed it, this person responsible. And then we're getting exactly the opposite. And they're saying, this is our truth.
3: As a former employee of RT, does that surprise you? The performances at the Oireachtas briefings?
5: Actually, yes. Because um, I worked for RT for 25 years. And I found the organisation to be, it's the most creative group of people I've ever met between producers, reporters and so on. But there was always a gulf between the executives. I mean, they had a different building even. The only time I ever got my nose into the building was once after we were all doing reporting on awful weather conditions, snow and so on, and we were all brought in for lunch. And that was the only time I ever met any of them or ever even got into the building, you know? But there was always that gulf. You didn't see, they, they weren't hands-on. Mm-hmm. You didn't meet okay. any of them. You didn't get to see them.
3: All right. Well, I want to bring Gabriel Darcy in here um, uh, at this point, uh, who, who's, who's. Uh, you know, you're an expert in corporate governance. Um, Gabriel, you've probably been looking on at all of this. And we're seeing the new Director General, uh, Kevin Backhurst, also in the job this week. And he has a big job of work to do. Um, in your view, um, this fog of confusion, this lack of, of clarity, is that because we really don't know who's running the show between the two boards at the centre of this story?
0: Uh, yes, good evening, Claire. Um Actually, I think you've hit the nail on the head um, in terms of the confusion that has been created by having this, on one hand, an executive board who clearly have assumed... Uh, roles and responsibilities that were not theirs to assume, um, and that undermined the status, uh, the sanctity, if you like, and the primacy of the main board. Uh, So in fairness to Kevin Backhurst, uh, no doubt in the weeks leading up to his assuming the DG role, uh, he has looked at this and he has no doubt consulted with trusted confidants And he has um, taken some swift action in this regard. Like, I think his disbandment of the executive board on his first day in office was a massive signal. uh, And it plays actually to a whole load of different issues. Uh, As I mentioned, the assumed status and role uh, of this executive that was not theirs to assume, such as setting and agreeing um, uh, pay levels for some of their 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 their, their highest paid um, um, uh, members and, and yeah. staff members uh, and so forth. To,
3: to ask you on um, this, Gabriel, do you think there's a need for an executive board at all? I mean, in other companies, I suppose there's a senior management team, and then you may have a board. Mm-hmm. Um, does it make sort of layers there that that can sometimes then block transparency?
0: Absolutely. And that's clearly what happened. And this, things got to the executive board and didn't get beyond the executive board. Uh, the executive board, uh, as you would expect, and this was borne out by uh, some of the answers by some of the executive board members when asked, well, why did you not uh, query the, the director general when she gave a, a, an implausible response as to where this 75,000 uh, credit note was coming from. Oh, how could I? She was my boss. Like one of the critical roles of a board outside of setting the vision and the, and the mission and the value and, and agreeing the strategy with the board and uh, with the executive team and holding the executive team, the account, one of the major uh, um, roles of the board is to provide a Uh, an environment for constructive challenge, if you like, of the CEO and indeed of the executive team. That is a fundamental role of a board and that's how a board gets to the truth. Uh, This didn't happen in this case because the information flow was not of sufficient uh, quality or quantity uh, or transparent to enable the board to carry out that function. But in fairness right. to Kevin Backhurst, I think he has moved. And that in its own right, by disbanding this executive board, it, it reasserts the, the status and the primacy of the main board as well as, as dealing right. with some of these okay. challenges.
3: OK, all right. And a job of work that Kevin Backhurst has to do. Uh, Colin, briefly, you wanted to come in on yeah. that issue. I,
4: I think the what happened today, for instance, we found out that the uh, settlement was. Breed O'Keefe, in relation to her exit package, did not come before the executive board. So, in fact, there was major decisions not coming before the executive board. Who
3: did it come before?
4: Well, that's the question that we did
3: And that's answer. the subject of another
4: review. Uh, and
3: you... said it was
1: just uh, D Forbes that approved it. And now Breed O'Keefe sent a text message to say well, that's not true. And so, but then that was shut down. But, then, so it's but the other issue is that
4: someone paid it out to the accounts of Ortiz. So, someone had to give a memo to the person to pay it out. It didn't go out automatically.
3: Uh, Mark, you mentioned um, that exchange and the text message. I think we can have a a listen to it now. Adrian Lynch relaying a text message from the former CFO, Brita O'Keefe, who was not in attendance despite being invited.
0: Can I ask to make one clarification because I received a text from the former CFO just to say that she would dispute uh, the idea that uh, nobody on the exec
6: board knew. No, no, we cannot receive second-hand evidence. Li- uh, we cannot receive secondhand evidence. Yeah. Yeah.
3: My God, how serious is Mr. Lynch taking this that he thought it was appropriate to correspond through text in the middle of our mm. committee meeting and de- was going to deliver a message from someone who has refused to appear? How inappropriate is this, Mark, Ty, um, to see this before committee? Um, it was their, I've got a text moment. Um, she had said, Breed O'Keefe, that she had nothing more to add when she was invited back before the Oireachtas
1: Which Committee Which was extraordinary today. in itself because Noel Kelly had brought in, out this email that showed that Breed O'Keefe had referred to the possibility or the strong likelihood of Archie get underwriting the whole Renault deal, the, the, the €75,000 payment for... F- per year, for five years, so effectively €450,000, that she'd refer to that in writing and in an email in March 2020 or February 2020. So she clearly had more questions to answer and questions to answer about her own, uh, how she left, whether she left on this redundancy package mm-hmm. or not. So it was extraordinary she didn't come in today to answer those questions. I know she's not in RT anymore, but then she tries to text in the evidence, which is obviously just highly inappropriate.
5: And how likely are we now to hear from these other people, from people like Breda and Jim Jennings and Dee Forbes, are they ever going to come before the committee? I mean, that's the real question at the moment.
4: That's a question for you, Colin. Well, I, I think we have obviously gathered a lot of information over the last three weeks. There's still a lot mm. of unanswered questions. We will have mm-hmm. to take a decision as a committee as regards whether we um, take further action as regards having these people. Compelling um, them. Compelling them to come in.
3: You're going to um, make a decision on that. Of course, that that will be post, obviously, we're in the recess now, so you're looking
4: into the autumn on this. Absolutely. But I think in the meantime, one of the things that we need to do as well is what way forward do we go on this? And, for instance, you know, one of the issues I raised with Ryan Trauberty, does he want to come back to RT? He's clearly indicated to me um, during um, the discussion that he does the other hand is, is it time now for him to come forward and offer to pay back? He's already said he will pay back the 150000 if Reynolds does not want to do another six uh, outings. Reynolds don't want to touch this. So I think...
2: They don't sponsor they're it anymore. At this I, mean, stage, I think... Big, I think, I think we well
4: beyond that.
2: You know, but, if you listen this... to Columns boss this week, we, we had a front-page uh, story on Sunday talking about uh, where ministers said about a potential bailout for RTÉ financial it's not it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when how much and under what conditionality now if you listen to Leo Radker all week this week he is he has repeatedly said things like, the banks came to us and looked for a bailout and we gave them one but it was under strict conditionality mm-hmm. one of the conditions that was that was imposed upon the banks for instance um, mm-hmm. was that a board was put in there to run it for them i think i think all of that i think th- i think we're well beyond all of that no, no, RT is thinking... going to face a financial crisis sure. in, in the off like just I'm just saying, to get back uh, to I'm the issue thinking... someone's going to have to run it claire, and i don't think saying... it's going
4: to be this dysfunctional organisation but claire i think it's you know the offers there of paying back 150000 i'm saying let's put it into place, let's pay back 150000 and let's... And what? There. Like, and what does that mean then? then? That's a matter then for... Is the that
3: R2? not a question then for but, but or a... or a way then of saying, well, you know, maybe, uh, Valerie, in, in this instance... Um, you know, Ryan, you've given back those the 150,000 euro and I think you're welcome back on the airwaves now. Well, I don't now. think
5: it's enough for him to say that. I think it also depends on the staff in RTE. I mean, you know, it takes an awful lot for staff to come out and protest. They've been out twice in the last 10 days or so. And Is it
3: unusual, though, that a director general would say it's up to the staff whether Ryan Tuberty is well, back he, on air? I mean, he
5: can feel the anger and the hurt. I mean, the staff of RTE at the moment, um, I've spoken to lots of them since mm. this broke, and they're not just angry about it, they are very, very hurt because they've come through the most difficult years, the pandemic, losing money, all the rest of it over the years before that, yeah. and everybody's cooperated. I mean, can I give you one tiny example? Would you
3: welcome him back if you were back working in RT?
5: I don't know. I'd be kind of annoyed. I really would.
3: It's, yeah, it's interesting about being too early to potentially make but that the staff, decision because a decision sort of yeah. has to be
1: made on it. The
5: staff have gone yeah. out of their way, though. That's the one thing we've got to remember.
1: There was a there was a real you missed know. opportunity, I think, on Tuesday for Ryan Tuberty. Like He had this theatrical moment, you know, like, who would you pay the money back to? And he's saying, oh, I'll still do these six gigs. Like it's, it, There's a snowball's no, chance in hell that, no. that Renault won Tuberty mm. to these mini late-night late shows. Yeah. And he's trying to say, oh, I don't know who the money will go back to. You know, like, that money should have been handed back straight away when... You know, I mean, he's been paid. For yes, six and, he did, never happened. and he did never. say
3: that he was sorry that he didn't flag it at the time that the the salary and the earnings came out. That he he didn't say at the but time. Actually, I'm getting teeny. more that's, than that.
1: That's not but part of his but at the
3: end of the that's day, day it's interesting Please. because those We've defending memory. Ryan Tuberty would say that it was the broadcaster who undeclared the salary, but yet they've taken Ryan but Tuberty off air.
2: And he was given a repeated opportunity on Tuesday, well, as both of them were, t- uh, did not explain why they didn't come out publicly. And, and rebut that, and they were given ample opportunity to explain that. They didn't. I think, you know, possession is nine-tenths of the law. Ryan Tuberty has allowed himself to be taken off air. I cannot see... To, to, for instance, quote um, Colm's colleague today, Alan Kelly, he said today, from what he has witnessed, he cannot see how these parties can work together again. Mm. I can't see a, a situation where... Ryan Tuber is back in air unless he pays back the totality of all this money. And a number of people have said that, including um, Kevin Packhurst has indicated that they would welcome it. He's indicated that he would, that he takes a substantial pay cut and... even then, can you see it? Can you see, you see him back in there? It seems to I be think it's highly days. unlikely. Mm-hmm. And also, I would lastly point out that it was said today that he doesn't have a contract. That because he had a TV, radio mix of a contract... Which is actually also that something Kevin that's Backer
3: being was. disputed um, by, by and, his agent. So and there's and a Kevin dispute Backers at the heart of that seven. as well.
4: I he has made a fundamental yeah. change in the contract and I think the RT and this one may very well be right. But just on the 150000 being paid back, remember there was another 40380 Paid out for each of the seventy-five thousand. Seventy-five thousand. So that's over eighty thousand on top of the one hundred and fifty thousand that was paid out by RT as a handling fee of the seventy for the seventy. That's
3: true because it was through the barter account. and it's all it's all very messy. And we're still there's still no clarity um, on all of this. Um, just just briefly, presenter pay came into the spotlight um, again. Um, the question is, you know, Kevin Backer is saying that we need to keep downward pressure on the most highly paid presenter uh, pay. But we also need to attract the best talent. And he's not in favour of caps on pay.
5: No, absolutely not. And I mean, I don't have a problem with giving the talent or whatever they want to call it. large sums of money, because, you know, they're putting so much into it, this it's not the hours they work, it's the personality that maybe Orti has grown that personality, but at the same time, we don't want them to go somewhere else. Now, people have said there's nowhere else for them to go. So but you'd okay. say no to Caps as well, Valerie? Oh, no, would that I wouldn't be say the... no to Caps. Okay. Oh No, 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 absolutely would. The, the Paddy Keelty
1: it... deal of a quarter of a million, that's kind of setting a new cap because he's got it's the primetime right. show and like no one really should be paid more than Paddy Keelty. Right. I suppose
3: the difference that Ryan Tuberty and his agent would argue was he also had a radio programme that was running five mornings and a week not, as well. Then. And Paddy
5: won't be here during the week anyway, except for maybe rehearsals. He's going to live in London and commute. So, I mean,
3: However, it has put the focus back. On, yeah. on, on earnings and how much um, so, somebody again, should earn at the very top of the it tree. Again, I don't it's
2: feasible that any of these people would, 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 with the lack of public confidence in what they do that has emerged over the last month, they would ever go back to the pay scales they were on. I think that's completely implausible.
5: All right. I happen. think yeah. at, at that, that point, were, Christopher, there was a reduction today.
4: Be fixed at the level as senior minister. Okay. Would you be happy with that? Absolutely. All right. Okay.
3: Um, Not the other way around now. You'd probably (laughs) love it if you're all getting half a mil. Um, There, we're going to leave it. My thanks to Colin Burke and to Gabriel Darcy for joining us after the break. As the doll breaks for the summer, we ask who's top of the class and who needs to try a little harder. Do stay with us. back, Valerie Cox, Mark Ty, and John Lee have stayed on with me to discuss who were the big political winners and losers of the past all-term. They are breaking up for the summer. Um, you might not have noticed because so much attention has been on this RTE saga and it's usually the last couple of weeks that they're pushing through legislation and everything else. But on an overview of this year, John. How would you rate the government's performance in the context of a, a pretty uh, tumultuous year characterised by cost of living, uh, housing crisis and, you know, a lot of public anger out there and concern about their own personal finances?
2: Um, well, there's a, there's a popular surge um, worldwide and there is a, a general narrative that centrist governments, in uh, liberal democracies are failing to get things done. And, um, I think our government rebuffed that somewhat in in the budget, which was um widely received in a very in a very positive fashion, and they gave a lot of cost of living payments and that and i and it was rare I covered a budget so well received, but they flunked big time on the reshuffle and I thought that was a a real sign of paralysis and a lack of ambition and I think everything probably we'll say tonight about about how Politicians in government have performed, and everything else has been coloured by that. Because there was only one semi promotion in that pro- in that um, reshuffle. That was Simon Harris put into justice on a temporary um, basis, and it said to me that this government lacked ambition. It lacked the the, the emotional intelligence to change its team. So um, let's give a five out, out of ten because yeah. they they did great on the on, on the budget, and the Now rarely ever would say that about a budget that it was so well done. But uh, the reshuffle was a real downer. And
3: what was the political fallout from that, do you think?
2: I, I, I mean, we could go on all night, but why the two leaders who, who, who matter when it comes to reshuffle... I'm not saying Amy Ryan doesn't matter, but he, he didn't reshuffle his people. Um, or or was, was he ever going to? There was a, a disastrous election, we kind of forget, for in 2020 for both Leo Varadkar and Mihal Martin, which weakened them significantly in their parliamentary parties. When a, when a leader of a party is so weakened... It is very difficult to make um, uh, adventurous and interesting personnel changes. But personnel, particularly in an era of personality pop- um, politics, are extremely important. So I, I mean even in my position, but I'm sure from the outside you're looking at the Finnegale front bench, the F- Finnegale ministers, and it appears you're looking at them forever. Mihaul Martin, we're all looking at him for 20 years. That's fine. But in 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 a in a system where it's very difficult to make adventurous policy moves because you're in a, in a coalition made of three parties, the All option right. left to you was okay. to change the team. That wasn't done, On the and flip. politically it leaves them look, looking um, paralyzed.
3: Okay. But on the flip side, isn't that just optics? I mean, as John said, is if they're not going to change much policy-wise and they're continuing on on the path they're on, you may be changing faces around the cabinet table. Does that make a wild difference? Or how do you think um, the coalition have fared, Mark?
1: Yeah, I think economically, obviously, things... Um, there's going to be a huge surplus, so there's a lot of people scrambling for where those extra resources will go um, in the budget, and I think maybe the government will be happy that the tuberty and RTE gate has taken the spotlight off that. It's usually the most annoying time of the year for them, you know, when everyone's got their hands out or begging for for things, you know, from the from the lawyers uh, going on strike, and you know the the hospital consultants. Everyone is looking for increases in uh, pay. And the hospital
3: uh, overruns and all these other stories. Yeah, that and are like around. The,
1: the, the government's Achilles' heel is the the housing crisis, you know, which they s- still haven't seriously addressed it. Um, you know, so that's why I think you know you'll see growing um, um, popularity for people like Holly Kearns you know, representing and, and Sinn Féin, kind of representing people who are frozen out of the housing market in their you know mid twenties, uh, late twenties, early thirties, not being able to get on that property ladder at all. Um, so they, they've come through it, I think. In terms of you know lifting the, the the eviction ban they've survived that um but in terms they, they really need to deliver hard numbers and Dar O'Brien in housing I, he just i he think he still he just hasn't convinced you know that he's be able to deliver this housing for all project you know but right going right back to simon Coveney, who was promising to get rid of homelessness for families you know this mm. is something that Finnegale and now fianna fall and uh, the greens i've, I've just Completely failed to, to 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 do.
3: Valerie, do you think they've really got uh, got through? You know, the lifting of the eviction ban, like the housing crisis we're in. No. The sense that even though the economy is, you know, flying it by all accounts, that the 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 big you know division is that the people are not feeling that, or the sentiment is in the middle yeah. of a cost of living and in the middle of a housing crisis yeah. that is continuing on. People are not feeling that.
5: No, and you're absolutely right, because it's the most vulnerable people who are not feeling that. Because, yes, we might have a good economy and so on. But housing has been an apu- an absolute failure. I mean, we were record high of people in emergency accommodation and all the things they mentioned, the government schemes they promised. Um, we had the ban on evictions uh, that, was end- that ended at the end of March. And, you know, the changes are so slow to get off the ground Um, the resident, uh, the tenant in situ system, mm-hmm. um, it's so complex. I mean, having to match this with the open market and so on, that's an absolute disgrace. The second disgrace is the way we're treating older people. now. The only way we could improve this at the moment, there are so many older people who, you know, they don't have a change in their pension. They're dependent on what the government can give them. And if they don't put in about 50 euro a week in the next budget, we are going to be in serious trouble. We're talking about the most basic needs. We're talking about energy and we're talking about food. And that's in relation to that. The other thing we've made an Mm -hmm. absolute mess of is the National uh, Children's Hospital.
3: Yeah. Okay. And um, certainly, even though we're seeing this sort of drop in inflation and, and we're hearing, you know, that the cost of living is coming down, certainly it'll be inter- interesting to see by the autumn, you know, where, where, what people will want out of this budget, because there certainly still will be a need, um, many say, for, you know, more, you know, uh, help to be given out to people. In terms of political winners, um, who's your political winner this this season, Mark?
1: Um, I've. Go for Mary Lou Macdonald, the leader of the opposition, Sinn Féin leader. You know, I know she's recovering from surgery at the moment. It's kind of out of the spotlight, but, um, you know, Sinn Féin are still, you know, leading in the polls substantially above Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil. If you look at what she's gone through personally in the last six months, you know, you had her linked per- uh, very closely with the, the, the trial of the century, the Hutch trial where, you know, her name was mentioned several times in the secret tapes between um, Jared Hutch and Jonathan Dowdall. You know, and who, yeah, she, she 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 referred to it
3: as, as false and deeply offensive comments uh, made about her during the course of the trial and, and set out the facts that she never met Gerard Hutch and never received money or electoral electoral support from um, Gerard Hutch. And the record shows that she's, you know, on the side of, of the community when it comes to the fight against yeah, drugs.
1: Yeah, and I think just, you know, having gone through a lot of political attacks over that and then you had the Shane Ross book, uh, which was uh, raising questions about her the funding of her house with her husband and her husband is suing now, uh, Shane Ross, mm-hmm. and the publisher over that. So I think for someone to go through such personal and political attacks and be linked with a criminal trial and you, you set out her position there and for her to be, to maintain the popularity that she clearly has with the electorate, I think she's a clear winner for the last six months to, to come through that largely unscathed.
3: Uh, John, your winner?
2: Um, when it comes to selecting these, I always try and confine myself to, to government. Mary Lou MacDonald will only be proven um, when she wins an election and does well in it. Um, and I would defend myself when it comes to, say, the optics of, of, of positions, um, changing people around. With so little being able to be done in government, imagine Hall Martin had taken the Department of Housing. What would that say about this government's intent? Um, that wasn't done. The only person given a promotion in, the, in, this, in, in this reshuffle was Simon Harris. He went into the Department of Justice, and he, to my eyes, has been the only person to achieve anything in government in the last six months. He was able to bring in um, a, a new law in the last couple of days, was introduced where it was increased um, the time uh, the time you would spend in jail for an attack on the Garda. He brought in def- defamation laws, which were very um, initiated and very popular with the media, I must say. I do know He that has that. brought in cameras and gar- uh, for Garda body cams. There is still Although an there's, argument there's over. Still- that hasn't gone through. But the body cams isn't because, facing because the opposition issue of from the Greens, that the facial technology. recognition is. But uh, uh, Minister McEntee has commissioned to do that. I do as know, I say, a, a very, John, very paralysed government, body sure. yes must. Um, I do know that something.
3: Simon Harris was your politician of the year last time out. Was as well. he? I
2: don't know. I checked He was, was. He, was he absolutely was. Or,
3: um, uh, it was at Christmas. We did. a uh, producer, we had a look.
2: Producer Gareth Mm. Gareth O'Connor promised me he wouldn't raise that because I wasn't sure. (laughs) So uh, there you go. He's the best two years in a row. All right, well, that's good.
5: (laughs) Uh, Very helpful
2: to the media as well, I must point out. um,
5: Valerie, who would you say? My standout politician of the year is Michael Fitzmaurice. The independent, the farmer from Rosscommon, because he came into politics as a farmer to do something. I think he's done a great deal. He's a wonderful rapport with the farmers. I mean, I went to some of his meetings, and he's like a mature Michael Collins the way he gets them all in behind him. And the issue of the you mean bogs, the current
2: Michael Collins are the are <laughs> no, the the lost leader,
5: the lost leader exactly. Oh God! But I'm sure he um, that. when he was uh, working on the bogs campaign, the Revenue had a great idea to catch people working on the bogs and they sent out a little plane. I went up in a little plane with them and they'd see the guys working on the bogs and they'd ring the local guard station and the guards would go out and catch them. Now, of course, they got cute once they saw the helicopter or the plane, rather, they went home. But I think he's done a lot for farmers. I think he's got his finger on the pulse. He's not going down other alleys. And I hope...
3: He's potentially looking to form a, 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 a party. A party,
5: as has happened but, in other countries.
3: But is it his attack on, on, on the Greens within government that that you believe that he, he, he's, he's done well? Or, or do you think he just what? represents farmers? Because others within the coalition will say, well, actually, you know, farmers are very happy with the grants that we're offering now in order to become more sustainable. Well, I Michael Fitzmaurice sta- stands outside don't. saying not enough is being done there.
5: And he's right. But I really do believe that if he realised, or if the country realised, the power there is... I mean, if he started a farmers' party, we could, they could just literally take over government if they worked hard enough. Right.
3: Okay, briefly, your political loser.
5: Um, I have a couple of them. (laughs) Uh, I was very disappointed in Ivana Bacek taking over Labour. She was such a good senator, I voted for her. But she really is a damp squib as leader of Labour. I mean, I thought this was going to bring a new vital Labour as it was years and years ago. No, she hasn't done that. And the other two I want to mention. Two. I think two more. Yes, I'm sorry. I think Simon Harris has done a good job in justice. But we've got to remember, he was the one who started with the National um, Children's Hospital and now Stephen Donnelly. In the name of God, the amount of money that we've had for that hospital, billions. I mean, it's actually gone into billions. Why couldn't we appoint two people who could get out there and organise the building of a hospital without all of this nonsense? All right. It's an absolute disgrace, uh, Mark. Briefly.
1: My 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 loser is he's not a TD but a MEP is Nick Wallace with his uh, three wine bars that aren't his wine bars and just his um, his talking points repeatedly attacking NATO for causing the war on Ukraine. I think you know we've been widely disproven and proven fundamentally wrong on that.
2: All right, and uh, your your political loser, John, for very obvious reasons, Catherine Martin. And I think if um, a better known more high-profile politician had been responsible for the mess at RTE, as she has been, as the line minister. For instance, if there was a scandal at the Department of Health, we would have the health minister blamed for it. If there was a scandal at the Department of Justice, they certainly would be blamed for it. Think of Leo Varadkar was in charge of media at the moment, the the backlash. Um, It was encouraging to see her department set up a war room, but unfortunately the war room was only set up two weeks into into this mess. And I would also point out that a year ago, there was 50 proposals brought by the... The future media commission, and all of them are accepted, bar one, which is the future funding of RTE, which has led us to this problem. Yeah, which is
3: now, um, which is now firmly under the spotlight. Um, Moya, we will leave it there. My thanks to Valerie Cox, to Mark uh, Ty, and to John Lee for dropping by. Coming up after the break, we find out why you may be waiting longer than expected for your favorite TV show to return. Back earlier this evening, the union representing Hollywood actors officially decided to strike. Well, the decision to do so will mark the largest Hollywood shutdown in 40 years. Here to discuss this further is film critic Brian Lloyd, and we're joined live from California by reporter Ira uh, Spitzer. I'm going to come to you first, Ira, if I may. Um, As we heard there, actors opted to go on strike. We've already had a couple of big names who've um, left the Oppenheimer Premier, as the strike began, take us through their action and and why they are taking that action along with so many of their colleagues.
6: Well, big changes, big news in Hollywood with the Screen Actors Guild, the SAG-AFTRA union announcing the beginning of this strike after negotiations broke down with the group that represents the major motion pictures studios and the Irish actor Killian Murphy and co-star Emily Blunt uh, leaving the premiere of the movie Oppenheimer in London as a result of uh, solidarity with those striking actors. And there are a number of issues at dispute here. One of the big questions and and areas of controversy between those two sides is uh, what will happen with royalty payments uh, with content that appears. On streaming platforms. The two sides have yet to really uh, agree on that. And another big question is this issue of artificial intelligence and how uh, how actors and studios uh, should proceed with uh, issues such as uh, using actors' likenesses or voices without uh, them being compensated for it or even without their consent to have it used in a certain way. So uh, a lot going on here, but, but certainly lots of animosity between those two sides and uh, big changes coming to Hollywood with both the uh, actor's strike and the ongoing writer's strike.
3: Yeah, so we've had this writer's strike, as you said, that's been you know running for a couple of months now. Now the actors have joined them. Um, the, the bottom line here is is uh, they're looking for fairer cut of, of the profits from, from streaming. That is the future. So I mean how can this be sorted
6: out? Well, the two sides, as I mentioned, do seem to be far apart. Disney CEO Bob Iger earlier saying that he thought the demands of the writers and actors were unrealistic. And then you had the uh, head of the the union, the actors' union, Fran Drescher, really lashing out at the studios, saying they were uh, pleading poverty while uh, the executives were making hundreds of millions of dollars. So uh, both sides clearly think the other side is is not uh, in the right here. And this is, of course, a new... Uh, ecosystem, the streaming ecosystem, which has upended entertainment around the globe. So both sides are clearly worried about uh, their future and their share of the profits. But uh, the the net result here is, of course, that uh, almost zero productions are going to get made, especially in the United States, uh, with both the actor's strike uh, adding now to what was already a slowdown because of the writer's strike.
3: Okay, Iris Spitzer, thank you for joining us with the very latest from California. We do appreciate it. And Brian Lloyd joins me in studio now. Brian, take us through this. I mean, like when you see this strike and and the likes of Emily Blunt, Killian Murphy walking out of a premiere tonight, mm-hmm. people will say they get paid buckets of money, don't they? Do they, they do. really need to go on strike?
7: They do. Yeah. I mean, the reality of it is. I mean, that's what a union is, isn't it? Like it's solidarity right across it. I mean, Matt Damon when he was on one of the the red carpets for Oppenheimer. He talked about the fact that in order for an actor to qualify for medical insurance as a member of SAG-AFTRA, they have to earn $26,000 per year. Now, in the past, an actor could make up that money through residuals. So, say, for example, an episode of Friends or an episode of, I don't know, Seinfeld or Frasier. Every time that's broadcast on terrestrial television, an actor would receive a paycheck off the back of that. But with streaming, what's happening now is, is that something like if Seinfeld or Friends or any of these TV shows they could be played millions upon millions of times, but an actor wouldn't see a single cent from it. In fact, there was a recent article in New Yorker that covered uh, actors who were on Orange is the New Black, and they talked about the fact that they were being paid somewhere in the region of about $30 to $40 a uh, a year for their uh, their residuals from Netflix so it really is completely upended the industry and that's not even really I mean
3: in terms you can see their point of view like that that we know that streaming is the future and all the big blockbusters and Oscar nominations and everything that have actually come from the small screen via streaming services that they the streaming services are not are not playing ball here not at all when when they are are really enjoying um A boom time right
7: now. Absolutely. Like Netflix, I think, made in 2022, Netflix made a uh, net profit of 4.216 billion. Uh, Disney made a net profit of 3.65 billion. And that's net, remember now, that's net profit. So that takes into account dividends, everything else. So that tells you how much money they made in one year.
3: An interesting point there as well about AI um, extras. You know, they, they get regular work yeah. and make money being in the background in a cafe when a, when a scene is being shot. And now technology means they can be filmed once and used throughout.
7: That's it, yeah. There was a recent uh, report that one of the offers that the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, uh, that's the sort of negotiating unit for all the studios, um, they, one of their offers was, was that they would basically bring in an actor, pay them for one day's work, and then essentially have their you know, movement, their face, their whatever, uh, scanned into an artificial intelligence, and then that could be used in perpetuity. So that actor would receive no payments for... Being in potentially hundreds, if not thousands, of TV shows and films. Yeah, it's the greatest
3: fear, isn't it? it AI is. replacing us all. Um, so, how is this going to impact on on our favourite shows, um, on all those shows that we expect to see these top actors mm. um, in? If they're walking off the job for midnight. Well,
7: that's it. I mean, essentially that. It's a strike. So it's everyone down still. So actors will not be performing. There's a huge list of things that they also can't do as well as act. They can't uh, take part in any kind of promotion for any of their films. They can't take part in any sort of fan conventions. They can't use social media to promote any film whatsoever. They can't do narration. They can't do voiceover. They can't do additional, uh, additional dialogue. They can't do any kind of work related to their craft they are on strike now what is interesting is though is that actors in equity that's the uk union they are still allowed to work because the uk has much more restrictive uh, legislation with regards to strike action they're not allowed to go on out on strike as well so take for example house of the dragon which is the big hbo show the actors on that they can still act but will they they, well, that's the thing. If they do go out on strike, if they do decide not to work, they can then be sued for breach of contract by HBO. And already, it's been indicated that the producers on that show will exercise that right, so they could potentially be sued if they decide not to act.
3: Okay, we'll have to see how all of this plays out. One hundred and sixty thousand performers um, stopping work um, at mid as of midnight. Um, Brian Lloyd, thank you very much. Thanks to all our guests tonight. That is it from us. Our program is available as a podcast on all major platforms. You can also find us on Instagram and on TikTok. Uh, But from all the late team here, good night. Take care. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands.